everyone, and welcome to another great edition, another quarantine edition of Talking Tigs. I'm your host, Scott Gerard. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. A lot to get into, mostly covering the NFL draft, which happened this past weekend, uh, and a few other tidbits here and there that always seem to pop up. We'll have that for you here shortly. I uh, just wanted to remind you folks, if you're not already following us on Twitter, please do so at Talking Tigs, no G in talking. Uh, we're also on Facebook as the Talking Tigs podcast. And lo and behold, we're also on iTunes and Spotify as well. So um, before we get into what is uh, pretty unequivocally the greatest draft in LSU history, uh, I want to check in with the co-host and, and see how you guys are doing. Um, how are you guys doing? Did you have a good weekend? Uh, in what should be a great, uh, what should have been like a great weekend and should have, should be a great start to the week uh, with all the, with, you know, 14 LSU players getting, getting drafted and then uh, many more getting signed by free agency. Um, there's a huge rain cloud in the state of Louisiana right now because we are going to be under quarantine for another 14 days, uh, or I guess actually longer than that, more like what, three plus 18 days. So, yeah, uh, not not doing great. This is terrible, um, and I think that this is the beginning. I think I mean I, I don't know. I haven't. I, I've, we've been trying to be optimistic on this podcast, but I don't know. I don't. Th- I, I'm I'm starting to think that this that uh, that all these great draft picks and all these great recruits that we're getting will never see the field until maybe 2021, maybe 2022. Who knows? Maybe we should just cancel football in general because there's you know 10 people or 11 people on either side of the ball and you got seven people on on the line and uh, you know who are who are closer at least five at least five who are closer than six feet apart so i just think we should in football probably in basketball too that's a it's a pretty accurate take uh we'll we'll go from there no more football or basketball forever um it's kind of depressing we got to see where the lsu players would go at least in the draft which was fun i think the the draft like smashed the record viewership numbers with good reason everyone's stuck inside we got nothing better to do than just watch a bunch of uh middle-aged men just sing praises over younger men um but yeah, congrats to, to Joe Burrow <laughs> going number one overall and all the rest of the Tigers. It was fun to see them. Uh, we were live tweeting out the Tigers picks as they came through. So uh, we had some pretty good graphics that we made, I think. So check those out on our pages. But um, Daniel says, if I do say so myself, the graphics were pretty good. Pretty good. Made by myself and myself only. <laughs> <laughs> what a lie. Yeah, and Tommy uh, had most to do with it. My first attempt at the the graphics was kind of poor. I won't, won't lie about that. <laughs> no, 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 it was very good. <laughs> first try. It was literally just like a purple background with like a picture of Joe Burrow just like blopped on top of it, like a rectangle on top of a rectangle. <laughs> it was like it's like a. Have you ever seen that thing from Barstool where <laughs> Big Cat would like he would like draw the thing with crayon or like in Microsoft Paint? You know what I'm talking about? Mm-mm. I I, I, it's like a it's like a uh i don't know it's like a joke you have to you have to like see it but it's basically like he, he would just do the worst drawing like possible of like what a, of like the, the front page of news for the week it's kind of funny well thanks to tommy for sprucing that up so uh take a look at that and uh yeah so they just announced that the stay-at-home order would be extended for another two weeks today so that's not the best news but uh we will try to persevere please do i was actually going to ask 
if Daniel was available to go do a welfare check on Tommy, but I don't know. I think I need to send somebody after maybe both of you just to check, just to make sure it's too far for me to drive, but hang in there, hang in there. I'm what three States away. We just opened up. It's slowly happening. Uh, you know, it's Louisiana was hit a lot harder than most places. So they have to take maybe some, a harder road on things, but it'll all work out. Uh, sports are happening. The draft happened in probably the weirdest way possible, but for, you know, it was amazing. They actually had, I think their best ratings ever, their, their best reviews ever of something. I don't know. Um, so yeah, the, just to get into the draft real quick, because there's a lot to cover. Uh, as you said, uh, there are 14 tigers drafted, which ties, uh, an NFL, record for uh, for college teams in, in a draft um, definitely sets the SEC and definitely sets the LSU record um, but then there are also uh, five there were five Tigers selected in the first round which also uh, set an LSU record and I, I guess it was just something about that 2019 team they're just continuing to set records because uh, it's you know the season's long gone but here they are just dominating the draft um, as you said Joe Burrow went first Pretty much no surprise. There was plenty of people trying to talk up like there would be a surprise or, that the, you know, the Bengals were going to trade the pick or someone was going to try and get Burrow or something or, you know, maybe they're going to draft Chase Young ahead of him. Whatever, whatever they're trying to toss out did not happen. The Bengals obviously knew way early on and then just, you know, played their cards to their chest and didn't say a thing. Like you didn't – I didn't really hear a peep coming out of the Bengals, but they did what pretty much we all thought they were going to do at the end of last season. So – um congrats to both of them they get a good quarterback a home state hometown quarterback uh and then the rest of the draft uh, you know it's kind of like a kind of like a dream even even our long snapper got drafted that just shows you how good the draft was so i want to get you guys's takes on it uh let's start with you tommy uh you know overall impression of the draft i don't know how anyone could have anything bad to say because pretty much everyone that you thought except maybe thaddeus moths which i was actually gonna ask you guys about uh, everyone we thought would get drafted got drafted. It may, may not have been where we thought they would have, uh, but they pretty much did. So, uh, yeah, man, what was uh, what do you think about the draft? Yeah, this is probably the closest I've ever watched an NFL draft. Usually, I watch the first round, and then I'm kind of you know, well, whatever. I'll keep a track of it, but I'm not going to like watch it. But again, because there's nothing else to watch, I think you know that's it's indicative in the uh, you see in the ratings, like everybody was tuned in because there's nothing else, and so uh, you know, it was, uh, it was interesting. And I was, I mean, you can't, you can't as an LSU fan, SEC fan, you know, fan of college football who acknowledges the greatness of the 2019 team. You can't, this is just further, you know, cements the fact that we probably watched maybe the greatest college football team of all time. And 14, 14, you know, 14 players got drafted, uh, uh, to the NFL. It's basically unheard of. Uh, especially, you know, off of one team and especially play, you know, and especially these, these are players that a year ago, you know, some of, some people didn't even have on their boards, obviously Burrow, you know, was not predicted to be the number one overall pick going into the 2019 season. Jefferson, not really, you know, touted as a first round talent. Um, Patrick queen, uh, Clyde Edwards, Elaire, you know, they, a lot of these players were not seen as a, uh, as the cream of the crop going into the season. So it's a real testament to the 
uh, the preparation, the hard work and the, uh, and the, the talent of LSU, of, of these players and of LSU's program in developing them. Yeah, that's a great point. Like before the season started, really the only players who can be considered like a first round talent would be Grant Delpit and maybe Christian Fulton. And then so like, if you, maybe. I yeah, think, so like, yeah, if you had said before the season, LSU is going to have five uh, first round picks in the NFL and none of them are Grant Delpit and Christian Fulton. I'm pretty sure anybody would have told you like you're insane. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty crazy to see. And then the other stat is that every single one of LSU's draft eligible players either got drafted or assigned as an undrafted free agent, which I'm, I think, I mean, I know like stats historian, but I assume it's very rare, if not like never happened at the college yeah. level. Uh, so that's pretty wild. So congrats to all those guys. But uh, the the draft overall went pretty well. I watched the um the first and the the second rounds. It, I was a little bit disappointed that there wasn't more of uh, technical difficulties. It pretty much went off without a hitch, which I'm sure Goodell is happy about. He was in his little bunker. Had some uh, some pretty good memes. Had said uh, uh, Bill Belichick's dog sitting in his chair. Had C.D. Lamb snatching his phone back out of his girl's hand. And um, let's see what else. Think about and, just just think about like the moments that we're like we're reflecting on and like being like the top moment of the draft, other than like obviously Burrow being number one or Clyde getting into the second to the first round, was like Belichick's dog. You know what I mean? Like this is <laughs> this is not normal. This shouldn't. This is it's funny at the time, but like I think we're gonna look back on this and just be like, what an awful time that like our the highlight literally the highlight of my weekend was seeing was seeing a dog sit in front of a sit in front of a, a laptop and then have the the TV put a little graphic on there that said Bill Belichick head coach right in front like perfectly placed where it looked like the dog was Bill Belichick. Like this is just it's it's really it's really a weird, weird time. And then Cliff Kingsbury just posted up his like His model mansion. home. Just looking very two thousand like 20 suave looking like he was just on the set of entourage (laughs) like he looks like he's Vinny chase right and there was one mom who snatched her son's girlfriend up out of the couch when he was getting announced did you see that i did see that yeah yeah i was like wow (laughs) mama's running that house she does not really like that girlfriend being there uh but anyway uh, yeah. Oh, and I'd say one of the, the best reactions, I don't know if you saw it, was uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire when, when he got drafted with the last pick of the first round, which I think uh, Tommy, Tommy called that one. I had to get the over because I didn't think teams would pick him that high. But uh, the Chiefs did. Uh, it was a great story, too. Uh, you know, basically, Andy Reid just asked Pat Mahomes, who do you want? And he said, Clyde. Yeah. And done. Um, and then, you know, when you, when they cut to him, when he was announced, everyone was cheering, but he was just sitting there still just kind of crying. Uh, it was, it was a sweet moment. Um, it was like RV hanger or something, but it was, it was a good shot. It was a good shot. The thing about the thing about Clyde getting drafted was I actually missed his reaction because I was so excited. I like jumped up. Like I I didn't even, I was like, I couldn't even, I didn't even pay attention because I was so excited because I just couldn't like, I could believe it, but I, I just didn't. I knew, I think we all knew Clyde was like that talent was like talented and he deserved to be, uh, he deserved that kind of recognition, but I just wasn't sure, you know, if an NFL team would buy in on it. So the perfect bookend of, of Burrow going one and Clyde going 32, 
um, and, and really defying the odds in the final way that he can in his college career, you know, starting out from being the backup to Darius guys at Catholic sitting behind Nick Brissett, you know, fighting his way and becoming that, that staple of the LSU team uh, amongst a lot of doubts, even doubts for myself, you know, at the beginning of the season, I thought I I've said it before, but I'll say it again. At the beginning of the season, I thought that, we might see John Emery or, or Ty Davis Price be, you know, take more of a center role or at least split carries with him. But he defied everybody, and cul- and it culminated with him, like I said, bookending the first round as the uh, as the pick of the Chiefs. Yeah, and a lot of people were were showing this tweet that Clyde made, I think in like 2015, mm-hmm. where it was something like along the line. Yeah, junior year of high school. He's like, I swear I'm going to make it like I have to for my mama or something like that. She, like, he's wow. like, my mom, my mom working three jobs. Like I'm going to make it or something. Yeah. And then, so that was a, a great story to see from Clyde. And then he had actually, a lot of people were talking about this tweet that he had made back in like 2015, where he had said something like my mama is working three jobs. Like I got to make it for her. And then now he really has made it in the first round pick. So come all the way up like Tommy was talking about. And uh, yeah, just a great young guy who deserves it all. Yeah. Amen to that. And after that, uh, just the Tigers just, kept getting drafted. They went on a tear. Um, you know, in addition to the 14 guys that were drafted, uh, there were, you know, several that signed undrafted free agents. So if you want to look at it that way, uh, there was one, two, three, four, five, six guys that got undrafted free agency signings after the draft. So 20 Tigers all in all were taken over the course of the weekend. Um, and I don't know, I guess the, the one thing that surprised me, like I said, we expected most of these guys to get, to get drafted anyway. Didn't know where, uh, but I guess Daniel will tell us where we stand on that here in a minute. But um, Stefan Sullivan was the last guy picked in the draft as a tight end. And Daddyus Moss was not picked. He was one of the undrafted free agents. So I don't know. I, I think a lot of people were paying attention to that. I didn't really get any, you know, any, any indication or any – rumor or word or why he might have not been drafted at all because many thought he was like one of the top if not the top tight end prospect in the draft but he didn't get drafted do you guys uh you guys pick up on that I mean did you did you see anything of of why that might have been well Daniel we were talking about it you brought up a good point about um him having that unfortunate like injury that caused him not to be able to really work out and then with all this quarantine stuff he didn't he didn't have a pro day didn't you know so I get maybe they just didn't see enough of him to to you know spend a spend a pick on. I'm not exactly sure, but w- wasn't that kind of what you're getting at, Daniel? Yeah, he had suffered a, a foot injury, I think, between the national championship and the combine, and that which required surgery. And so that's why he was he did not participate in the combines. So they didn't really have any stats on him there. And then the whole coronavirus situation happened, where the team's literally he didn't get to work in the pro day like nobody could even see him like they didn't know what his status is whether he's healed or whether he's like bedridden i mean i don't think it's that bad <laughs> but uh he'll I mean, never he's, walk again <laughs> he's stuck in his house but that's a different reason um but yeah so that i think maybe they just considered him a little bit of a risk at this point obviously he has the talent i would say he's better than a lot of the pedigree the yeah, a lot of the tight ends that were picked, but maybe they thought they could just uh, save a little bit of money and draft capital and pick him up as a free agent. And I think that happened to a few other 
not like huge name players, but people who were pretty like second or third round ranked. And then they ended up just not going at all for whatever reason. And most of them were the same situation as like kind of big injury concerns, but hopefully he can shake it off and still have a successful career. Well, and it's also, it's kind of crazy that, you know, you think about it, like with, with this whole situation, your, your life could, I mean, your, your draft stock, your, um, your NFL career future could totally be tanked just by the fact that you couldn't have a pro day. There are a lot of people or, or couldn't go to, couldn't have a couldn't go to the combine or something like that. There are a lot of people who show out, especially at like their college pro days and stuff. And it turns heads. And because of this quarantine, yeah, you can't do anything. And like, I know that some of them, like I, I saw, you know, Tua was at a, at a facility working out, but some of these, you know, lower ranked guys, uh, an agent's not going to take a chance on you and give you, because a lot of times those uh, like all the, the training, the training for the combine, the training for pro days, all that stuff is funded by an agent with the anticipation that you're going to get higher. Or you're going to get picked in the, in the draft and you'll pay him back basically, you know, with your, with your first rookie contract. Speed money, basically. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I feel, I feel bad for a lot of these guys who, you know, maybe, maybe they were battling, you know, like a guy like Grant Delpit, you know, a guy who was, who was battling injuries throughout the entire season and, and played, you know, very valiantly put it, left it all on the field. Didn't, didn't do the thing where he said, you know what, I'm injured and I'm going to be a first round pick. I'm sitting out. He could have easily said, you know what, I, I hurt my ankle. I'm sitting out all, all the games that don't matter. I'll be back for the SEC championship or I'll be back, but he played. And so, um, I think that, you know, it's a, it's really unfortunate and it's, it's kind of unfair to some of these guys that, you know, a lot of their, a lot of their chance was taken from them with, but beyond their control. Yeah. And you brought up a good point because uh, you know, some of these guys that didn't have that opportunity to shine, but then again, someone like Tua who many thought were going to go in the top five, definitely top 10. He didn't, really i mean he had some some videos he showed out that way but like he was fresh off of a, a surgery and recuperating and people just didn't know where it was going to be but it didn't appear to affect his draft stock at all what do you go fifth overall mm-hmm. you know it's like the dolphins had no qualms about that whatsoever so i don't know i guess i was just curious if there's some sort of personal history that maybe they found out about or uh, i don't know maybe maybe there was something some team issue but um it's just one of those things. It's all these intangibles in the draft. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I had a, another question for you guys. We can start with you, Daniel. Um, is there a particular player who got drafted on a team that you think is like, oh, wow, that's a great fit. I can't see – I can't wait to see that. Like was there a, one particular pick, and it's okay if it's number one overall, but like is there a particular pick that you're excited about based on who it is and where they're going? Um, I think one pick that I like a lot and I'm excited to see is uh, Grant Delpit on the Browns uh, because they picked him and they also picked um, Jacob Phillips a little later on in the draft. Plus they had Greedy Williams from LSU pick cornerback from last year. So they're kind of building up that LSU secondary and as well as having uh, Denzel Ward, uh, one of the premier corners in the league. And so if they can groom all those LSU picks into kind of the DBU talent level that we have across the league then that could really be a great secondary to watch so I think he'll probably 
be coached up definitely a lot on his tackling technique and, and things like that uh, in order to be hitting NFL wide receivers and such, but he could definitely make an impact for them. And they really need to, to bulk up their defense to kind of match their offensive potential at this point. And then they could definitely be a much better team. So I like, um, yeah, dealt it with the Browns. So excited to see what they do this year. But you, Tony, uh, I think that I, uh, that I'm interested in seeing, well, I guess there's two, first of all, Clyde with Pat Mahomes, I think is going to be awesome. Um, I think they're going to be able to do a lot with him and really kind of, ex- uh, you know, expand on that versatility that we saw with the, uh, the LSU offense. And then I think also what'll be kind of cool is, you know, he's not going to be the, the seems like the challenge a lot with these, with these highly touted rookies, especially your first round picks is that, you know, like Joe Burrow is going to ha- is going to be asked in his first game ever as a Bengal to be that team and to be that entire offense. But at the, with the chiefs, you have Patrick Mahomes, you have, uh, you know, Daryl Williams and Tyree Hill and all these other players. So, uh, you know, Clyde is going to be able to, to really like fit, fit his way in and find his niche within that offense. And I think that's going to be better for his development. So I'm excited to see him. I'm also excited to see T Higgins on the uh, Bengals with Joe Burrow. I think that'll be pretty cool to see, um, you know, two young guys uh, kind of learning the game, learning the NFL together. And, you know, T was a, a very talented receiver at Clemson playing with a very talented quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Uh, he's going to get to play with another very talented quarterback as well. So I'm, I'm eager to see kind of what that, how that plays out. Yeah. Uh, ditto to both of those. I mean, that, that my answer was going to be Clyde Edwards Hilaire to Kansas city uh, just because I don't know the, the fact that that's who Pat Mahomes wanted. So you already know he's excited about it. Andy Reid is excited about it. Cause you know, he, it's not like he shot it down. He just gave him that pick. And Andy Reid has worked with guys like this before. Like Andy Reid said that Clyde Edwards Hilaire reminds him not only, no, someone made the remark that he kind of resembles Brian Westbrook who Andy Reid had back in Philadelphia. And Andy Reid said, yeah, but I think he's better. Um, Something along those lines. And that was just amazing to hear, because if you can remember Andy Reid's offense back in Philadelphia, if you remember watching any of that, uh, I mean, that was just uh, amazing. It was, it was running gun. I don't know if he was there also when um, uh, Darren Sproles was with the Eagles. I don't know if Andy Reid was still there, but he, it's like those types of guys. He, I think that was the, like the, uh, the Donovan McNabb, like Terrell Owens. Yeah, no, but yeah. Reed was there for a while after that. Right. But he was there with Westbrook, but I'm wondering if Darren Sproles was there because he's more like Clyde's, you know, stature, very short, but just very quick on his feet and just elusive. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that because it's not like Patrick Mahomes needs any help, you know? I mean, they already had a good ground game, but to add somebody like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I don't know. It's like, now you think, well, I mean, these guys just came off a Super Bowl. Now they're just going to, they're going to add something else to that. That's just, uh, that's going to be fun to watch. I mean, I'm interested to see Joe Burrow as well, him connecting with T Higgins. um, And I think this little mini LSU reunion going on in Cleveland uh, could, could be fun to watch just on a, you know, Mm -hmm. swag level. But um, I think that's pretty much who I'm looking forward to, to watching. Um, can we also just talk about the biggest surprise of the draft, which I think is, I think everybody would probably agree was which the, is, the Packers trading up to, to draft Jordan Love. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, um, what, what, they got him. What, what pick did they? I think they just moved up one pick. Didn't they go from like 
18 to 17 or something like that. That's what I don't get. Why do you spend anything just to move up one spot? Unless, the Unless guy you're convinced that, they, that that other team's going to take him. I don't know. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was a weird move all around. And I've, I've seen like, you know, I've seen people t- justifying it, talking about it, saying like, oh, well, um, you know, they did it. That's what they did with Aaron Rodgers. They had Favre and every, who would, and, you know, at the time, everybody questioned like, why would you draft uh, a, a quarterback when you have Brett Favre? But if you know anything about Aaron Rodgers, he's like one of the moodiest people in the NFL. So I can guarantee he's, he's like, you know, spuming over wherever he lives. Right. And also transitive properties doesn't exact, you know, really exist in sports just because it worked here. Doesn't mean it's going to work again True. here further down the road, but I don't know. Um, we'll see. We'll see how the Packers do. Um, I don't know. It's, you know, it could just be a backup, but it is an interesting move in the first round to go get a QB when you have plenty of commenters telling you that, Oh, he's the best, you know, one of the top three in the league. And he's, I don't think he's anywhere near his retirement as Drew Brees or, or Tom Brady. Um, I think they said he's 34 right now. Yeah. I mean, so, unless he's, he's they, getting older, but he's not, he's not, yeah, he's not like 40. He hadn't lost his, his zing. Would you say? No. And most people thought that the Packers needed to draft a number a two wide receiver yeah. uh, to compliment Devonte Adams. And they ended up not picking a wide receiver at all the whole draft, which kind of left most analysts a little bit bamboozled. Uh, so uh, we'll see how that one pays off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is um, kind of unrelated to what we're talking about, but the Saints made a move, unreal, you know, it was outside of the draft, but they added Jameis Winston. They re-signed Taysom Hill to like a pretty expensive contract for like a utility player. And then they also signed Jameis Winston. Uh, I don't know. Was that as weird as the Packers drafting Jordan Love? I think it might be weirder. I don't know. I, I like the Taysom Hill thing. I think he, I think that's fine. I mean, it's sure. It is a lot of money. Um, you got to sign, you got to sign, you got to have a backup. And I think a lot of people would are considering Taysom Hill to be the, the heir apparent, I guess, but with the J, I don't know why you'd want Jameis Winston on your team. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll be, I'll be, you know, proven wrong and you can say it's a cold take exposed later on. Um, but I just, I don't know. I'm not, I, I don't think anybody, who watched the Buccaneers play with with Janus at quarterback and say he had a uh, he had a great a great you know tenure as a Buck? Yeah, I thought that was weird too. I mean, in my opinion, if the Saints are willing to pay that much for uh, Taysom Hill, why don't just try and deal him for something, get a little bit back, and then if you want Jameis, bring him in. He's the backup. And then they did end up trading back into the seventh round to take a quarterback, a uh, guy from Mississippi State. Tommy Stevens. So, yeah, so let him be the third stringer, and you don't need to pay uh, Taysom Hill to be just a glorified like wing back type player. Well, no, um, because the thing, see, like from what I've heard, Taysom Hill is considered to be the second best quarterback on that team. Like even even when Teddy Teddy Bridgewater was starting, Taysom Hill was he was he was starting as the third best quarterback. The reason that Taysom Hill didn't get the start was because so much of their offense is dependent on Taysom Hill being that utility player that if they take, you know, it's kind of like the sum of the parts type deal where, yeah, you know, conventionally you'd say like, okay, well, when the number one quarterback goes injured, you start the second one. But if the second one already has these other roles, then it's better to keep the, keep the you know machine as, as close to as close to hundred percent as possible by, by starting the third quarterback. So that's what I've heard. 
it kind of makes sense to me. So if, if that's, if that's true and they actually think that he is the second best quarterback and he just happens to be talented enough to do other stuff, then I'm fine with them signing him. Yeah. You know, so not to spend too much time on the draft, but um, did you also notice who did not get drafted this year? A single Ole Miss rebel. Oh, really? They didn't have one player drafted. I could have sworn I saw somebody. Maybe I was just like, no, because someone put out there they they you know they they tried to make some comparison of you know there is no Ole Miss players drafted, but yet Coach O had all these players drafted, and they're trying to make some sort of correlation. Like this is you know, this is the guy they fired many years ago. I was like, well, you know, different time, different team. But yeah, isn't that crazy? Like you would just think any school in the SEC would have at least one player drafted. Yeah, I don't think they had that many guys come out, but just to not have anyone drafted. Um, I don't know. I was just kind of surprising. Yeah. Just- I had mentioned, I had mentioned to Tommy that uh, ULL, the Raging Cajuns had three draft picks this year. And then compared to USC, Southern Cal only had two picks. I was like, how is that even possible? It shows you kind of how far they fall. And I think mm-hmm. Texas only had like four maybe as well. Uh, and both mm-hmm. Colin Johnson and Devin Duvernay, they went pretty low. Yeah, I think they were like fifth, sixth round picks. Which is pretty crazy because I remember at the beginning of the season, you know, people were talking about how Colin Johnson might be like one of the top receivers, you know, uh, in the draft. Of course, that was before Derek Stingley, uh, you know, covered him like a covered him like a sheet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, I think LSU had more drafted than the entire Pac-12. Yeah, I saw that. (laughs) That's just insane. What a year! Um, But I mean, that's. uh, I guess that was just, you know, that this one moment in time where all these players on this amazing team, uh, you're just still seeing the, the effects of it. Uh, but I, there was a couple other notes. Uh, there was a, a, a recruiting flash, which I'll throw to you in a second, Daniel. Um, but uh, Coach O was asked about Dari Rosenthal, and he said uh, he thinks he's he's done enough to to maybe get back on the team. And I, I don't know if you guys remember, it was uh, – I think it was a few months ago. He was just kind of Coach O said he was, you know, not on the team anymore. Um, but he didn't leave. He just kind of had this, some stuff to work out. But Coach O said that he's, I guess, done enough to get back in good graces, and you know, they could potentially see him this fall, which is good because he was he was supposed to uh, replace Sadiq Charles on the offensive line. He had like three starts last year, and uh, you know, the offensive line was one of the things we were kind of worried about. But uh, I don't know if he's back. Great. Um, if not, I don't know. Uh, hopefully we got some guys in there to replace them. But uh, feel free to comment on that if, if you like. But there was also a, a new commit. Was there not, Daniel? Uh, yeah, they actually had two pretty big commitments in this two past big week. Ones. Yeah, so <laughs> the, the, fir- the first one was a JoJo Earl. I don't know if it's Earl or Early um, from Alito, Texas, He's a uh, number 13 wide receiver in the country, four-star, uh, number 72 overall prospect. So his one of his teammates from Alito High School committed to LSU 2022 class the previous week before who he had mentioned, but now he popped for 2021, so that's very good. I watched his highlight tape. He's just a, a speedster on the outside. Um, so we definitely have – we're stacking up the wide receivers for the next two years. And then uh, the other player was uh, just yesterday on Sunday was Landon Jackson – out of uh, Texarkana, Texas. So they got the uh, Northern Texas recruits. Who's the 
Number four, uh, defensive end prospect in the country, four star as well, number 106 in the country. And so, yeah, he's huge, 6'6, 240 um, for a junior in high school. So, uh, on his tape, you can definitely tell that he leverages his uh, athleticism on some poor high school offensive tackles. <laughs> he on his technique a little bit, but he's definitely, uh, he had like 20 sacks or something as a junior, which is pretty crazy. He also looks like Mr. Clean yep. if you uh, look up a picture of him. Uh, so, but yeah, two two great picks pickups for the LSU Tigers as they start to build out their 2021 class. And that, I mean, we're, they're going to need they're going to need some pickups because I don't know if you've looked at Ohio State's uh, 2021 it's insane. class. It's already don't they have they have like 15 people already. Uh, I just looked the other day. Give me two seconds and I'll pull it up. Ohio State has 17 commits, three five stars, 12 four stars, and two three stars yeah uh, LSU has seven commits so far um so Ohio State is absolutely dominating the recruiting game right now yeah it, it's really insane of course a lot of this you know that that class is not it, it's a snapshot in time it won't be what you get in February of 2021 but that's that's I saw something the other day where it was like basically like this is the new arms race of recruiting it's like it used to be you know it used to be, okay, well, right when the season, like right about now is when you kind of start, okay, well, let's start looking at 2021. But really, you know, Ohio State's been building that class since before the 2020 class was, was signed. So, yeah. Yeah, because it used to be like National Signing Day is when almost every player would like announce who they're yeah. going to. And so now it's like a year or two or th- even three years before you're committed. And then it's just a formality when it comes to the day. Yeah, unless unless you like have some, you know, histrionics that you try to try to do with the picking up the different hats or whatever and and faking out somebody, but. Right. Hey, speaking of, of uh, trying to fake people out, whatever happened to Zach Evans? Did that guy ever, (laughs) did he ever. We were just talking about that actually. He what? We were just talking about that. Um, He's like, I don't think he's committed anywhere. And like some people were saying he's going to go play Juco. Yeah, that's kind of the the rumor right now because there was the situation on signing day when apparently he signed his letter of intent to Georgia and then they did not accept it. So he was kind of left hanging. And then there was a question about whether he was like released from it and then maybe he was going A&M and then like Tennessee. Then it was going to be Florida. Then it was Tennessee, yeah. Basically every single school's name was like thrown out there. <laughs> it kind of, he moved down the ladder of schools are like, all right, we might take this guy. And then he just literally never like ended up anywhere officially. So the um, the rumors are that yeah, the schools just maybe don't want this kid. He's more trouble than his worth, and then now he might be playing somewhere. Yeah, not a lot of five star running backs expect in junior college in twenty twenty one. Maybe I mean for his sake, I hope he kind of gets his stuff together and he finds success. But it's just a pretty crazy story. You know what though? Like I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to a JUCO, dominates, and then ends up in like a Cam Newton or something where somebody wins the lottery. And, you know, he, he ends up at X school. I don't know, wherever we'll just say like, he ends up at Houston, Auburn, Auburn. Yeah. Who, wherever. And, uh, and, and, you know, make somebody's day. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know who we're talking about, he was a very, very highly touted recruit. I don't know if I'd say to the level of Leonard Fournette, but like right up there, maybe like Jeremy Hill, uh, just kind of along that level. So, yeah, number one recruited. I mean, number one ranked running back in the in the thing. Although, I mean, I watched him on. I watched a game of his. I watched tape of his. He's you know he's he's obviously very talented, but I don't know if he's. Uh, 
I mean, he, he got benched in his high school season. Yeah, there's a lot of issues, a lot of character issues. And obviously he wasn't, um, he wasn't uh, so good. He wasn't irreplaceable, I guess. Right. Right. And I actually think I'm not, I'm, I'm still partial to thinking that there might be some sort of legal or uh, some sort of financial issue, some obligation there. I, I don't know. Uh, who, who knows? I, mean, I don't know if he's like, there is a, there is a story of a guy here that was, supposedly going to sign to Georgia. This was back in the nineties. I think, uh, all-star running back could have gone a lot of places, but like Georgia backed off its commitment. Once they found out he had like four children, you know, like mm. with four different women before he even left high school. Mm-hmm. So they're like, ah, you need to kind of focus on that. So <laughs> um, who knows why they know, you know, cause I just remember, uh, you know, LSU, he was, they were seeking him and we were kind of, looking forward to that. Will he sign? Will he sign? Uh, and then LSU just took its hat out of the ring and they just decided yeah. they backed off and we thought, wow. All right. Well, um, there must be something there. Glad we avoided that, uh, that train wreck. But anyway, um, or I heard, I heard inside info from, from a, a source close to coach O that basically he just said, I'm tired of this guy. I don't, I'm not, I'm not dealing with the game anymore. Good luck to you. Uh, fair enough. Well, good on coach O then. Cause he's right. That doesn't sound like a uh, one team, one heartbeat kind of player. Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, if he comes into your program, he's going to, if this is how he is in high school, when he, when he becomes a quote star and he's, you know, he's playing for an SEC, you know, a national championship contender, it'll get him worse. So yep. might as yep. well avoid it while you, while you can. Exactly. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have any other thoughts on uh, draft or uh, LSU stuff? Yeah, I wanted to uh, to unveil the results oh, yeah. of our our draft picking challenge. Uh, see who was the best, um, biggest brain there. Who's more like Mel Kiper? Uh, so we had a list of players. Tommy and Scott, or I gave them the position or the the place in the draft where they were projected to go. And Tommy and Scott thought said whether they thought they were going to go under or over that pick. So we'll just we don't have to take a long time, but I'll just run through them real quick here. So Joe Burrow was at one and a half. He obviously went number one. He both picked under, both correct. Uh, Justin Jefferson at 21 and a half, which is basically right on the money. He went 22 overall. Uh, Tommy put under, Scott went over. So Scott got that one, barely. Yeah. Uh, then Patrick Queen, 25 and a half. That was pretty close as well. He was 28. Um, and you both picked under actually, so both incorrect on that one. And then uh, Caleb on Chason was 16 and a half. And he went 20, so both are so he was over and both correctly picked over. And then Christian Fulton at uh, 24 and a half, he had the biggest slide out of anybody at 61. And Tommy was big correct on the over, and Scott missed on the under there. And then uh, Grant Delpit 34 and a half. Tommy once again took the over as Grant slid, slid a little bit to 44, so Tommy's correct, and Scott picked the under on that one. And then uh, last was Clyde at 47. And obviously he went first round at 32. Tommy was correct once again on the under and Scott missed on the over. So the overall records was Tommy five and two, Scott three and four. So congratulations to Tommy. Would you like to accept your honors? Yeah. You know, I, I would like to accept my honors, but to, uh, to accept the honors, I'm going to bring in Mel Kuyper to just talk about kind of my thought process. Yeah. You know, you look at a guy like Clyde Edwards, Larry. he's a five, eight guy out of, out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana played for the guy, uh, the, Catholic Bears. He plays the running back position. And uh, what more can you ask for a guy? Uh, back to you, Todd. Yeah. 
Thank you. Uh, great stuff from our, our <laughs> NFL draft expert, uh, Thomas Johnson. Um, sorry, Scott, you can get them next year. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm, we coming, we coming, we coming next year. <laughs> hopefully we have as many picks to, or as many prospects to even rate. Um, but hopefully we even have a season to rate. Exactly. Uh, but that was all. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Daniel. Um, I don't know. There isn't uh, too much other news, although LSU basketball is uh, uh, there's 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 a lot swirling around with that program. Um, first off, Javante Smart has ne- also declared for the NBA draft. Uh, I didn't see whether or not he signed with an NCAA agent, which allows him to come back if he doesn't like his grade or his draft position, whatever they decide. Um, but I mean, they also signed. Uh, some more recruits. I mean, LSU had a pretty good week. Tommy, you you'd sent me something. It was um, it was an, an article about Will Wade. Well, I mean, having having as good a, a season as he's had off season that is, uh, but also you know about him uh, languishing, not getting a haircut. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I wanted I wanted to toss it to you because because you sent me that that little piece. Um, I don't know. It's like we talked about Will Wade. You know what was going to happen after all these accusations. Uh, were thrown and nothing really happened. LSU did fine. The season was canceled, of course, so we didn't see how they would do in the postseason. But looking ahead, um, it sounds like LSU is going to have a, a really strong team, pardon the expression, but they, I don't know, could it be one of the best ever? Well, I mean, I guess Will Wade seems to think so. Um, he's quoted as saying, we'd have the deepest team, the deepest team and best team uh, when talking about like you know, what if he, if everything that he expects to happen you know happens the way he thinks it will um you know LSU basketball is supposed to be in a real good place next year uh you know you mentioned Javante Smart announcing and he actually he will keep his NCAA eligibility throughout the okay. draft process so um I I would I would venture to say he pro uh Wade probably expects him to come back um especially you know with the uh with the because he declared last year and then he came back yeah, I don't know. I just don't. I, I mean, well, I'm not. I'm not as uh, I'm not as in tune with the uh, with the NBA draft as I am with the NFL draft, as you just saw in our game. <laughs> but I would. I don't know. I just don't think he's going to be a top a top level pick, and I could see him coming back. Um, right. You know what I mean? I just don't. It's not like he's going to go. I doubt he would go first round. Right. I don't. I doubt it because yeah. it just didn't seem like he had. He didn't have like a bust. I almost think his season last year was better than the abbreviated season he had this year. That's what I was going to say. So I would almost, I would venture to say his draft stock has not improved by that much. So if he didn't like it last year, what makes him like it this year, other than he just wants to be paid. Um, of course, if you, if you believe the documentary, he might already be being played, paid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, right. uh, so, no, so he's basically just, just calling. It's like, you know, in poker, it's like you can up the ante or you can just call. I think he's just calling. He's yeah. just seeing what he's, what he's going up against you might and i guess you might as well like if you have the eligibility you might as well go in the draft who knows some maybe somebody becomes crazy and 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 drafts you you know number five overall for some reason but so it's like if there's no if there's no risk if you're not really going to lose anything by doing by entering the draft i i guess i would i don't know but um it, regardless will wade you know he he always seems to know something we don't and uh so he's he you know he seems to think that if if everything uh, he, you know, if everything breaks our way with the recruits that we picked up and with the people that we're going to be having back, you know, we'll have a, a, a top level contending team. 
Yeah, he obviously knows how to recruit um, with this upcoming class. Obviously, the centerpiece is Cameron Thomas, who some people have described as like the best pure scorer in high school prospects right now. He's a five-star shooting guard. And so this is the third straight year that LSU has had at least one five-star player uh, signed in that uh, high school class. So Will, um, whether just by pure being able to convince these players or otherwise has gotten them to, to come to LSU. So he can, he can do the job. And so, yeah, if Javante smart comes back, I think they can be very dangerous. And obviously their game has stepped up a lot in the past two years as compared to uh, a little bit um, more recent years. And so, yeah, they're definitely a program on the rise. So excited to see what they have for this upcoming season. Absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, they're going to have to find someone to replace Skylar Mays as someone that's that kind of that point person that can, you know, just uh, lead the scoring if they need to, or just, you know, be the point person, but also uh, someone or not someone, but like uh, some team defense would be great. Uh, I, I know Will Wade's got a lot of time on his hands. He's probably figuring that out as we speak because that was one thing that plagued them because they started so well last season and they just, it seemed like they were tanking for a first pick in the NBA draft or something. And they just, you know, they just forgot how to play defense. Uh, but Charles Manning come, coming back, I think helps with that because he was seen as one of their strongest defenders. So um, definitely going in a upward and onward direction there. So happy about that. Um, not too much, uh, or not any news out of LSU baseball, any new news in any way, but um, uh, unless you guys saw something, but I, I didn't really see anything. Um, is there anything else that you guys wanted to uh, wanted to wrap about while, we, while we're all here together? Well, Hal Hughes has officially transferred to Rice. I think we, I think we said he was going to transfer last week, but uh, yeah. I'm not sure if we yeah. knew where he was going at that point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and uh, I saw Drew Bianco is also leaving, um, which is interesting because you, you got that, Daniel? I was just – I was waving goodbye to Drew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So Drew Bianco is leaving, uh, you know, which is interesting because he signed to play with LSU when he could have played with his dad at, at Ole Miss, where his dad is the coach, but mm-hmm. he did not. He came to LSU. So I don't know. I think an obvious choice would be for him to go to Ole Miss, although I'm just wondering what, you know, what these guys are seeing because, you know, it's weird. It's like they they haven't had a season. So what's, what are they seeing just in, you know, whatever activities they're doing to just up and transfer because, um had they not they'd be in the thick of their season right now um so i don't know i mean things change i guess these these guys have their own will uh but i don't know it was just uh usually we're typically we're used to seeing a lot of transfers or or, or whatever with with football but just not baseball like at, at this time anyway so i don't know we'll see do i have anything else see um, well, I saw a, uh, I saw a, a, interesting article on a, I was on a Clemson, um, like a Clemson, like go two four seven Clemson or something like that. Some sort of Clemson board. I don't even know why I was there, but, um, it's talking about Travis Etienne and it, and it had the, it had the question or, or raised the question is like, will we ever see Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence in the same, uh, backfield again? And I was a little bit intrigued by the headline. So I read it and basically Clemson's AD which I would guess, I mean, as a, you know, Clemson taught one of the, one of the premier programs in college football, if Clemson's AD is, is very much floating the idea that there will not be a college football season next year. Um, or that if there is one, it will be in the spring. 
and a lot of people, and I think, you know, we've talked about the idea of, of the spring season, but I just thought about this myself when I was reading this article. It's like, okay, so if we have a spring season, the NFL draft's not going to not happen, right? They're not going to move the NFL draft to the summer. At least I wouldn't think they would. Um, they're already giving out projections for next year's NFL draft right now. Like they've already got boards out. So if let's say we move to the spring, does Jamar Chase play? You know, does, uh, does, does Travis Etienne play? Does Trevor Lawrence play? And I think those are, that's, that's an important question that we have to ask because even if we do get a, even if we do get a season uh, and we, even if we get a season in the spring or whatever, a, a fake season, um, you know, there's a good chance that, that it's not what you expect and it's not, um, and it's, and it's not what we, you know, see it's not, it's not a college football season really. It'll, you know, it might be football being played by LSU and Georgia, but if Jamar Chase isn't on the field, you know, what does that even mean? Like, what's that? What is that? If he's sitting like, for the draft. Yeah. Do these top prospects risk the chance of injury and potential career derailment um, and $15 million plus paydays uh, for the sake of some six or eight game season when they've already kind of proven everything they need to to these NFL scouts? Like, yeah, I can definitely see that position being valid it's the same type of thing as like high school basketball players not one to grind in college for one year and said like get paid immediately or or do something go play abroad exactly and so yeah that's kind of scary thought just in terms of entertainment and a college football fan perspective so obviously i hope that doesn't happen but something that you have to consider at this point yeah i mean i'm i'm starting to think i'm I'm starting to get the point where i'm thinking we're not going to have a season um just by the way that everybody's talking about it, the way that the way that these like the LSU the LSU interim interim uh, almost said headmaster <laughs> the interim uh, whatever you call it president said today that uh, he was like we will have class and we hope we have football and you know I don't want to live in a world where we hope we have football and so and I think most people don't especially people I mean to, even if you just look at it from a budget perspective, like LSU needs, needs college football to especially LSU athletics. Like it's always like that guy's got it completely backwards. Yeah. So in my opinion, like if they're, if, if the AD of Clemson and LSU's headmaster, or LSU, eh, if, if the AD of Clemson and LSU's president are saying like, mm, maybe not, I'm starting to think they know something we don't. I'm starting to think they're preparing, they're preparing us to tell us, no, we're not having a season. And, uh, yeah, that might be the end of me. Right. Sad, note to, sad note to end on here. Right. Well, you know, well, I just got to give it straight to the. Uh, I got to give it straight to the listeners. It's true. I mean, we get the LSU truth, um, who is also we, here sometimes. But this sometimes is like we LSU. get the LSU truth in the form of uh, at LSU truth. Shout out Josh Lemoyne. But even when we can't get him on the podcast, we still try to dish the truth. Right. Well, as of now, it is just. Uh, you know, it's all, it's all theory. Um, I mean, like you said, yeah, they, they, maybe they know something, or at least they're looking at some sort of model that's giving them at least some basis on, on their decision, or at least their, you know, their um, negative outlook. Uh, But I don't know. I mean, if it just went to like a eight game conference schedule, um, I would think that would be fine. Cause you know, like Bill Hancock just said last week, they expect to, to do the playoffs. So they're, they're planning on it. So he sees something different. Maybe, maybe something's happened in the last week that makes these guys think differently, but who knows? You know, I, I think there's just, everything is so uncertain. Nobody wants to plan anything, which I think is not 
the best way to move forward. But I would say just plan and then recalculate if it looks like it's not going to happen. That's that's what we do, even if we didn't have all this coronavirus stuff, right? I mean, um, maybe they're just worried that they would start a season and this stuff would come back and they'd have to cancel the season again. So they'd basically have a wasted season. Maybe that's why they're all kind of uh, apprehensive about saying whether or not they're going to have a season. But I don't know. Until they see this second wave, um, maybe they're afraid to pull any triggers. Um, but I don't know. How would you know that unless you're in the thick of it, right? Yeah. So... Who knows? Uh, it's a scary. It's a scary thought, and uh, you know, but that's what our leaders have given us. So, right. Thanks. Uh, thanks. Thanks, leaders. Thanks, leaders. Um, they know what's best. We don't know what's best. We're too dumb to understand. Yeah. Well, I'd say certain segments of the population are, but uh, <laughs> still, um, you still, you can't make sweeping decisions for a whole nation you know uh we could probably find find the same page to get on here in the next month or so but uh i don't know do you guys have anything else you want to daniel do you have any uh any last thoughts before we head out uh i don't think so obviously next week might be a little bit of a, a down week with no big events like the draft on the horizon but hopefully some stuff will come up that we can uh break down for y'all and i'll be looking forward to that right on uh, i don't know we could maybe do another homework assignment if you guys are game um, you know, there seems to be a lot of uh, transfers and, and this and that. We we talked about maybe doing uh, something about you know LSU transfers. We could look at the transfers in and transfers out that have that come and gone over the last few years. I mean, the biggest one that immediately comes to mind was the guy that was picked to to go number one overall uh, in the NFL draft this past weekend. So uh, there's some good ones. Then you know, obviously some ones that we probably forgot about that one and not remember. Uh, I know one that immediately comes to mind, but I'll, I'll probably save that for that, that podcast, whenever that happens. Um, how about Tommy? Any, any, any parting shots? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of just a broken person at this point. So <laughs> oh, just, uh, just, you know, keep listening to the podcast and, and, uh, and as always get the gap. Yeah. Get the gat. Uh, all right. Well, if you, if you want like a little fun homework assignment, there was a movie called The Replacements. Have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen that. Okay. I was going to say, if you hadn't seen that, watch it. I don't know. Maybe that's what could happen is because, uh, you know, these teams could agree to move forward, but maybe the players choose not to. And there could be like a strike situation where they don't want to play while this coronavirus thing's going on. So then they bring on these scabs and then Keanu Reeves can come and save the day. That might give you some hope. That's all I was saying. <laughs> but I guess that that will remain to be seen. Uh, well, we can discuss that at another time, another place, maybe next week, especially if there's no sports. But I think that'll pretty much do it for us here on Talking Tigs this week. Tune in next week to see what happens and uh, what we what we have going on. We'll have something for you to talk about because we are dedicated. We're here for you on the front lines. Um, so hopefully there'll be some more easing of restrictions and. Uh, we can kind of move about and get some more ears to the ground. Uh, but until then, stay safe, and uh, we'll talk to you next week on Talking Teams.